I got in chapter number 17, and I got down to, I think, uh, the last point or the next of the last point. I will go there tonight and just pick it up right there. Uh, right at where it says the ritual of the covenant, verses 10 through 14. I think that is where I stopped last week, and so that's where I'll begin tonight. I, 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 don't, I don't want you to blush during uh, the talking of this matter because it was a um, covenant matter. It was a matter that was... Uh, something that God was not ashamed of and we ought not to be ashamed of and the Jewish people were not ashamed of. Now, we are not under that law, but it does teach us some things. Are y'all ready? I said, are y'all ready? Okay, all right. I'm going ha- to have to go talk to my black preacher friends and see how they get it done. I don't know. But here it is. It had to do... When you talk about the ritual of the covenant, verses 10 through 14, it had to do with the mark. Look at verse number four, verse number 11. And ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Now, this comes on the heels of God speaking to Abraham again. They haven't talked in 14 years or 13 years, hadn't talked, 13 years. Abraham, though, walked with God, loved God, read the scriptures, prayed, lived righteously, holy, but yet God had not talked to him in 13 years, and now God shows up, starts to talk to him, and as he talks to him, he's giving him biblical instructions about what to do. Folks, that's why you need to understand the New Testament. There are some things that the New Testament transitions us into. You don't just start a church and it just be the church forever, okay? You start the church and then you transition certain stages into the church. For instance, it starts an all-Jew church and then it becomes a Gentile church and both of those churches spoke in tongues as evidence of the fact that God was doing something new. He was transitioning from old and transitioning to new. He was transitioning the Jew to where they now come by faith and he was traditioning the Gentile who couldn't come at all, but now they could come by faith. So tonight, just want you to keep that in mind as we look at Abraham, this mark that he had. The word means token. It actually means a sign or a seal. A sign or a seal. Now, typologically, I could just preach all night just right here because we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And so we have a covenant with God that he has sealed us. I can't lose my salvation because of my stupidity. And, you know, I I thought I'd get a bunch of amens right there, but I didn't. But the truth of the matter is, you can't lose yours because of your stupidity, right? So we're all in the same boat together, but that's a good thing because God has separated us. We're marked off by God. We have a covenant 
with God, and he called it the new covenant, right? The new covenant. And that means that Abraham believed God's seed would come. Now, he's 99 years old. The only child he's got is by Hagar. Biggest mistake of his life. We're still dealing with Hagar's kids. And so, a seed to come means that something else is about to happen. And he's 13 years older now than he was then. And so, he says, I'm going to give the seed. But look what else he says. I'm going to give you the land too. I'm not only going to give you a covenant of the people, a covenant means it's something that can't be broken, kind of like a circle. It can't be broken. See, some will give you that, but I'm also going to give you the land to possess, and that also shall be a token of your faith. When they went to conquer something, when they were walking with God and loving Jesus, they always won. It's when they backslid that they lost. By the way, if you're a Christian, you'll always win when you walk with God. And you'll always lose when you don't. We say, I know some people that suffer. I didn't say anything. Suffering don't mean you lose or win. In fact, suffering may mean that you win the greatest. That you run up the highest score. Y'all hearing me? I think Job was the best God had. God said it himself. He said, I don't have anybody else on the face of this earth like Job. And that Job suffered like no man ever suffered. So sometimes if you're going to be powerful with God, then you have to suffer. So he wants us to have a token here, and our token is a spiritual covenant with God that we believe his promises, but also that when we go through the fire, we believe his promises too. Y'all with me? But not only was it Mark, but we have to talk about it was also male. Look in verse number 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Now, I, I, I would, wouldn't want to talk about this in, in any length uh, in, in mixed company, but if you'll read where persecuted Christians across this world, uh, things that's happening to them that's unbelievable, they're treating them in horrible ways. And one of the things that they're doing is they're making this not male but female. That's just one of the things that they go through. But since God, you said, well, why did God, if he wanted to have a covenant, why did he choose circumcision? That's well, simple. Simple. I'm glad you asked. You see, God's covenant involved whose seed? Abraham, right? The covenant involved Abraham's seed. It was the it was so because it involved his seed, it was fitting that the mark be on the male organ of the generations. 
I know it's a little uncomfortable, but I'm just telling you what it means. And so because of that, the pagans didn't do it. No other group did this. This was the mark that you were going to be a part of the promise of the new generation to come. Covenant for the seed of an old man and for the seed of every man that would come and give their heart to Christ. It also marked them off as separate from the immoral Canaanites that was around them. Come on, listen to me. Those Canaanites that lived around them were the most pagan, vile, filthy, corrupt, dirty, idolatry group of people that you could think of. And God wanted a people that was so totally different from them that everybody would know it. So when they captured a slave or when they hung somebody up to suffer, to be persecuted in their nakedness, to humiliate them, they knew that this was a Jew and he believed in one God, Jehovah God, and he believed that the promise that God made to Abraham would stay intact until we got to heaven. Y'all believe that? Okay. So let's look at this meaning. The meaning of this was just a token, a ritual, a sign. I want you to look over to Romans chapter 4. Keep your fingers in Genesis. We're coming back. Surely you can find Genesis, though. Go to Romans chapter 4, and I will show you something. Circumcision did not save them. Circumcision did not change them. Circumcision didn't do anything in their life physically to make them different from anyone else. Are y'all with me? But look at verse number 11. And he received the sign of circumcision. That's good. It's a sign. When God gives a sign, that sign's never torn down. Now look, it's also a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. Before he was circumcised, he was saved by faith. So circumcision does not save. No other work will save. No other mark will save. I, I know some of us do things in our younger life we wish we hadn't do, and, and we get tattoos, you know, and, and, you know, you probably, you know, fell, in, fell into the arms of Mary Lou, and you got the Mary Lou wrote on your side of your arm, and every time your wife looks at it, she slaps you, you know, just, you idiot, what'd you do that for? But it, it, it was a, this, this sign was very, very important because it, marked them off as God's child and the faith that counted him righteous. Now listen, the faith that counted him righteous before this. We find out as we read through the Bible that way before circumcision, Abraham had already believed. 
And you go to Hebrews, you can find it. You go to Romans, you can find it. He was already saved. Folks, listen to me. People come to me today and say, well, I'm going to tell you. And, and, and being on the radio and, you know, things like that kind of get you some calls. Sometimes you'd rather not have to fool with. And, uh, we, you know, but I, if I can help people, I will. Sometimes I, I get emails. Sometimes they set me up and I have to be careful. Um, it'd be some pervert from California that'll try to set me up. And so I, I have to be careful. But, uh, you know, just last week, I guess it was on a Saturday morning, I met with a young man, and, and that was one of, the, one of the things he had. Also, that very same week, I got an email from uh, somebody up in Kentucky asking me, because they had heard one of my sermons on the radio, where I said that baptism did not save. And so I, uh, you know, gave them scripture for it, gave them explanation for it, and one was very, very open to it. The other was not so open to it. So, you have to understand here that there's not one thing you can do except trust Christ to get saved. Just get it in your head. You can be on the flower committee, on the table committee, on the smoking committee. You know, I don't care what you're on. You, you can be on, you can be a deacon or preacher or anything else. You can't do anything to be saved except repent and trust Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross as payment for your sin. That's it. So, that covenant lasted from then to now and will last from now until Jesus comes. Actually, it even lasts further than that. It lasts to the middle of the great tribulation. Multitudes, the Bible said, under the throne that's been washed in the blood. So, um, circumcision was not the means of salvation. It was the mark of separation. Write that down. It was not the means of salvation. It was the mark of separation. Now, if you need some verses, I'm going to read one, and, and you can go from there so I can cover some territory tonight. Uh, but Colossians chapter 2, verse number 11 said, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Now, you weren't, anybody that was physically circumcised today was done with hands. Anybody in that day that was circumcised was done with what? Hands. Sharp rocks, done with hands. But he says here, you've been circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In other words, Christ goes in, puts his sign, his seal, his mark on everyone that's his children. And only he does that from inside. And, and let me show you a word he uses and give this to somebody sometime. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. That has nothing to do with what we do right here. Nothing. Look why. The faith 
of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. You know how you got saved? God took you into Holy Ghost surgery. Mm -hmm. That's what he did. He took you into Holy Ghost surgery and he did an operation on you. We used to call it that. We don't call it that now because we have so many of them, you know. Operations is as, as common as poodles, you know. They just, every, everybody, you know, I, you can sit down and talk all day in any doctor's office, anywhere you go about your operations. Well, I had an operation on my knee. Well, so did I. Well, I had two operations. Well, so did I. I know that. I had one on my shoulder. Well, so did I. Well, I had my gallbladder out. Well, I had some, I had, I had some kidney stones that I had to get out. And you just talk about it and talk about it. And you can just get a good conversation going about the operation that you've had. Why in the world can't we get some conversation about the operation Jesus did on us? Because he went inside. He sedated us with the power of the Holy Ghost did surgery with the power of the Holy Ghost, moved out of our body by the power of the Holy Ghost, and didn't leave a scar. Woo! And so you can find that passage backed up again in Philippians 3, verse number 3. So that word token, what's behind the token is what makes it valuable. To refuse circumcision. Listen, it's important. To refuse circumcision was to reject Jesus Christ. You see, because every now and then you'd run into a bunch who wanted to be a Jew. Right? Yeah, I know a few dummies right here in Lebanon. Some have been in our church. And, and, and they, they're dumb enough to believe that they are, if they do certain things, they're, they're really a Jew. They're a Messianic Jew. Now, there are Messianic Jews, but the Messianic Jews do it the Messianic way. But there's some other folks that think they can pull, a, pull this off by themselves, stay a, a Baptist and, and believe what the Baptists do, and yet still be a Jew. You can't do that, folks. That's heresy. That's blasphemy. Why would you want to do anything to the operation that God did in your life? It worked on me. Did yours take? Yeah, it took. If you, if you can't say amen that it took, then tonight you ought to get this altar and make sure it takes. It won't take him long. It won't take him long. Nicodemus said, the, Jesus told Nicodemus, just like the wind, choom, choom, and the sun. All right. So let's look just a little further now. Let's look at the response to the covenant. The response to the covenant. First thing we notice, about, let, me just, let me say this. Write Romans 10 verse 11 down before I leave that word token. That'll kind of help you understand it from the spiritual perspective. But let me tell you why that we do baptize, Okay. We do baptize because, number one, it's inconvenient. 
Now, not nearly as inconvenient as it was in their day, but inconvenient. There's another reason we're baptized is because it reminds us of the painful death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Circumcision was painful. And also, we baptize today because we were commanded to do so. The reason that they circumcised, they were commanded to do so. You remember those two boys who didn't like what happened to their sister? You remember that? When Dinah went out one night, you remember? And the two boys, they come in and said, they thought, boy, they're going to kill us for what's happened down here. And they come to them and said, we just won't be one of you. We won't join up with you. And they said, well, if you won't do that, you've got to be circumcised. Y'all remember that story in the Bible? And the Bible says that they circumcised all the males in the camp. And while they were had been circumcised and while they were in pain and while they were hurting and while they were healing, they came in and killed every one of them. So I'm telling you, it's painful. I guess y'all figured it out by now. But Look at the covenant, the response to this covenant. First of all, there's the laugh of faith. Now you may say, I don't understand that. Well, it is a little bit difficult. This, this passage is, and the other passages is a little bit difficult. But let's look at it. The laugh of faith. Now, we've been talking, I've been calling her Sarah because she becomes Sarah, and we know her from this point on as Sarah, but her name was Sarai. Sarai was her name. And Abraham was not Abraham, he was Abram. Y'all got that? So Sarah means my princess. My princess. So that would have been Abraham's name for her, my princess. So obviously, from first, from Genesis 16 into 1 Peter 3, something had happened because over there in chapter 16, they were far from a princess. They were ready to fight, Remember? So I believe that it was during these times, it's 13 years, that Sarah, who God named Sarah, became a godly woman. It's not too late for any woman to be what God wants her to be. Now, yeah, you can't get some things back you wished you'd done, but it's not too late to do from this point on what God told you to do. And men, it is not too late from this point on to do what God told you to do. You can do it. Well, I'm too old to worry about them things. I'm just going to let the young people do it. Let me tell you how the young people do it. We've seen how the young people do it. We've seen it all across this nation. We've seen it in churches. We see it everywhere. How the young people do it. Folks, listen, the young people, if they're taught to do it right, that's one thing. The young people who's been taught nothing do it the wrong thing. Okay? So Sarai was Abram's name, God's princess. Now, God says, Sarah, you hadn't heard your name up to now. God said, you hadn't heard me say a word about Sarah up to now. You just heard me talk about the seed that would be Abraham's seed. Well, 
you assumed that that was going to be you, but you haven't heard my name. I was testing you to see if you'd been faithful, and you weren't. You didn't trust me. So you sent your husband in to be with your handmaiden, Hagar, and caused trouble then and caused trouble now. So then God says, now you're hearing your name. Now I'm calling your name, Sarah. Have you ever thought about how quick God's will might have happened to us had we not gotten out of it at some point? That's scary, isn't it? All we could have had, all we would have had, but we stepped out of the will of God. As a result of it, it cost us. It cost us spiritually. Thirteen years, God didn't talk to them. That's why from time to time, you'll see people come back to church And they say, I've been out of church a long time. And I hadn't been living for God, but I want to come back and get right with God. Why do they do that? Because they do just like Sarah and Abraham. They get out of the will of God. And once you get out of the will of God, it's easy to stay out of the will of God. And you're not a princess at all. In fact, there's other words that would be fitting for your life and princess is not one of them and you men do the same thing he said Abraham your name's going to mean father 99 years old father I just wonder what would happen if the doctor were to say, say, say one of our, our, our men who's about 80 years old went over to the doctor and he came out to get his yearly urology report. And um, the urologist come out and said, uh, said, I'd like to talk to you and your wife back here and come back here. So I just want you to know that I know you're 99 and I, I know she's 89, but y'all are going to have a child. She said, I want a second opinion. And so they go down <laughs> to the lady doctor and the lady doctor calls him in and said, I know you're 99, you're 89, but you're going to have a child. You see, Sarah now means mother. From princess to mother. And if you're a good mother, that's better than being a princess. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how that when people have children, what do they call them? When, 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 when he talked to the, 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 the daddy of the family or the, or the wife of the family, and, you know, they got about three or four kids that are running all over the place, and she says, Daddy, why don't you do something about that kid? Well, he ain't your daddy. He's your husband, but you call him daddy. Am I not telling you the truth? Yeah. Mama, Mama, come in and help me with these kids. She ain't your mama. She's your wife. But when you need her, she's mama. That's what happens here. They go from being out of the child rearing business 
back into raising kids. So God changes his name to father, which means he would be the father of many nations. He'd be the father of multitudes, the Bible said. And he changed her name to mother. And so now, now these two, 99 and 89, are mother and father. I don't know about you, but that just kind of just makes me laugh. Here's what God was saying. I don't want any more Hagar's running around this place. You're stuck with one wild man. Don't get stuck with another. Y'all believe that? Yeah. If you go to the Middle East, you'll believe it. If you go through an Arab airport, you'll believe it. If you deal with very many Arabs in their world, especially in their countries, you'll believe it. They're wild men. I remember being on a bus uh, when we got to the canal and crossed the Red Sea and we went through the canal. We stopped before we got there. There was this all of a sudden, it was just—it was so dark. I mean, you know, no houses, and if you did see a house, you, you, it would—it would be kind of hidden by the sand dunes and stuff. And it would just be robbers and stuff like that that lived along that road that would hold you up. And 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 I looked up, and man, there's this big fire in, in the right in the middle of the road, and it was a windstorm coming up, and and it was blowing sand everywhere and fire everywhere. And I'm sitting there and thinking, there's this old boy on the back here. He's got a machine gun, but he don't look like he's ever shot a gun in his life. I don't even know it had a magazine in it. And I thought, what they're about to do? And they all had machine guns in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the night. I'm going to tell you something. I wasn't singing happy hallelujah. I scared. But we somehow circled around, and we was afraid. I was sitting there with the driver, and we were talking, and I was afraid that and he, he was afraid, and then after he was afraid, he made me afraid because he said, if we don't, I don't do it just right, I'll drop these wheels off in this sand and we'll be stuck here. Dear God, please have him keep them wheels on this road, please. And he made it. I don't know how in the world he did it, except God held those wheels up on that pavement. I had four elderly women, one of them 82 years old, had dementia. I had the holder, care, leader. Everywhere she went, I thought, man, I'm going to bring all these ladies over here and every one of them is going to die and their parents is going to just, their, their, their kids is going to kill me. But it didn't happen that way. You see, it's not like driving down the road here. Because you drive down their roads, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Landmines on both sides. Even now, up in the Golan Heights, you can see them everywhere. We've got one wild man. God said, we don't need another. So you, Abraham, Abram, are now Abraham, father of a multitude. And Sarai... You may have been Abraham's princess, but you're my mother. 
you're going to act as my mother, and you're going to bear children, even at 89. Do y'all believe he did that? I believe he did. So we'll stop right there, and next week we'll pick it back up. And then I have a little side note I want to talk to you about. I wish I'd have done it tonight when my, when my wife wasn't here because if I, when I do it next week, she's going to just really give me a hard time about it. So y'all pray for me. And uh, we'll pick it back up next week when we talk about laughter, okay? Talk about laughter.